Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. There is a fullness of life through a relationship with God that really can't be found anywhere else or in anything else. That's what Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday is all about. That's what the empty tomb is really about. God wants to fill your life and my life with his life. Can somebody say amen? I want you to think about this. This is an important statement. Emptiness will not go away until it's filled. It just won't. And God wants to fill your life with his fullness. Because the tomb is empty, you can be full. Think about that resurrection Sunday morning. The the disciples, Mary and Martha, they went down to the tomb and they saw the tomb stone had been rolled away. And they noticed right away that the Lord Jesus wasn't there anymore. And they were probably confused and they had a lot of questions going through their mind. They may have been excited. They may have been afraid. There was so much controversy at that point as to what would have happened if Jesus made his way out of that tomb. And on this particular morning when the tomb was found empty, think about this. When most of the time something being empty is usually bad news, that was really, really good news. Why was that good news? Because it meant that Jesus Christ had been telling the truth. It meant that Jesus Christ really was God in the flesh. It meant that Jesus Christ really was the Son of God. It meant that Jesus Christ really, really was who He said He was. It meant that Jesus Christ really did come to die for you and to die for me and forgive us of our sins so that we can be put back in a right relationship with God and have access to the fullness of God. And it meant that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. He's our victorious king. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Think about what the ladies saw. On one gospel says that they saw an angel maybe sitting on the bench at the head section where Jesus had been laid. And this is what the angel told them in Mark 16.6. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified... He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He has risen. Come on, say those three words with me. He has risen. I really, really believe this morning, Easter 2021, if we're going to really catch an understanding of the fact that the tomb is empty so that we don't have to be, the first thing that I think we really, really need to catch is this. The resurrection is more than an event. It's a person. Come on, say it with me, church. 
The resurrection is more than an event. It's a person. Don't get me wrong. The resurrection is awesome. Resurrection Sunday is awesome. Easter Sunday is awesome. It's a world-changing historical event. But it's, a, it's an event that pales into comparison to the person. Notice what Jesus said out of his own lips in John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Catch this with me. Let, let, me, let me just remind us, Lazarus died. How many of you remember Lazarus? He died. He was sick. Jesus was delayed. And Lazarus died. He'd been put in the tomb. He was already there for four days. And Martha, his sister, is having a discussion with Lazarus, uh, I mean, with Jesus. And, and, and Jesus tells Martha this. I am the resurrection and the life. Come on, would you read that with me? I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Verse 26, everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Now let me just let me just have us to focus on those two verses for a second because this is powerful. Jesus is saying that he is the resurrection. He is the life. And in verse 25, he says that anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. He's talking specifically about going to live in eternity, in heaven, with Him and the Father, after we die physically and depart from this place. Does that make sense? Say amen. amen. So verse 25, He's really talking about life after death. But notice verse 26. Everyone who lives in Me and believes in Me will never ever die. Verse 25 is talking about life after death, but verse 26 is talking about life while living. Just because you're breathing, it doesn't mean that you and I are living. That's what Jesus is trying to get across to us. Notice he says, everyone who lives in me and believes in me, will never, ever die. Because Jesus is the resurrection and Jesus is life, no matter how empty you have been, no matter how empty you might feel today, no matter how empty you might feel in the future, you don't have to stay empty. You can fill up on the power and the life of Jesus. And guess what, church? He offers unlimited free refills. Believing in Jesus, listen, and living in Jesus are not the same. I can believe in something and not necessarily participate in what I say I believe in. Is that true or not, church? I believe in something, but not participate in something means I don't get to experience the benefits 
of what I say I believe in. And Jesus is really uh, making a clear distinction. Believing in Jesus and living in Jesus is the answer to emptiness in life. And this is where even Christians can miss it. Even if you say, I'm a Christian, I believe Jesus, I believe he died for my sins, I believe he's the son of God, I believe that I'm going to go to heaven. You got that going on in here, but if you don't begin to participate in the life of Jesus and live in Jesus, that means you'll go to heaven, but while you're on earth, you might not experience, keyword, the fullness of life that Jesus paid for you to experience. I mean, ask yourself this question. Is it possible to say, I believe in Jesus and think I'm full, but at the same time, feel empty? Is that possible? It reminds me of potato chips. You guys know I like to eat, so I have to explain that, okay? Have you ever purchased your favorite bag of potato chips? I mean, it looks full. Amen. <laughs> it feels full, right? And, and you're ready to, you know, you're ready to have lunch. You got that special sandwich made, and it's not going to be the same without that big, full bag of potato chips. But if you've at all experienced potato chips, like I've experienced potato chips, you can't wait to open it up and dig in. But when you do, you open it and you find that it's half empty. It's half empty. How does that make any point here, Robert? Listen, when it comes to living life, Jesus is saying, without him, you and I, we're not even like a bag of potato chips. We're not half empty. We're completely empty, lacking what we need to really live and be alive. It's possible to say, I believe in Jesus and not live in the fullness of Jesus. Look at John chapter 10, verse 10. It's going to be on the screen. It's one of our favorite verses. I want us to look at it in the amplified version. Jesus is talking about the fact that he's a good shepherd, that he's the entryway to God, that he cares for his sheep, that he provides for his sheep that he leads his sheep, he guides his sheep, he feeds his sheep. And then in verse 10, John 10, he gives us a warning about our enemy, and then he affirms who he is, and he affirms what he's come to do in the life of all those who follow him and live in him. John 10, 10, Jesus' words, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. If you have a pen or a highlighter or you're looking at this in your Bible, however it reads, I want you to emphasize and underline the reason the thief comes. The thief comes only in order. So this is the only reason Satan his spirit, his demons, our enemy. This is the only reason he comes. No other reason. To steal your joy, your relationship with God, your fullness of life. 
He comes to kill. He wants to take us out, ultimately. He wants to kill our relationship with God. He wants to kill our chance at going to heaven. He wants to kill our chance at living full. He wants us to stay empty, to feel empty, or he wants us to try to fill our lives with stuff that's not real, that's fake, that's going to have us to feel empty anyway. And then he says, and destroy. That's the only, Jesus said, that's the only reason he comes. But watch this. This is the good part. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Can somebody say amen? How many people can use some of that? I can, right? I love what he says. I came that they. Who's the they? He's talking about his sheep. He's talking about those who live in him and those who believe in him. Notice that they may have and enjoy life. Did you know it's possible to live your life and not enjoy your life? You might know somebody who's living their life and they're not enjoying their life. Jesus loves you and he wants you to experience his fullness. Notice what he says. He says, and I want you to have and enjoy life in abundance to the full till it overflows. Why would he say all that if he didn't really mean it, church? He wants for you and I to recognize because the tomb is empty, I don't have to be empty. I can press into my relationship with God and receive fullness of life and life to the full. This word life doesn't just mean I'm living and breathing. It means I'm experiencing the Spirit of God on the inside of me, the very person of God on the inside of me. And He's bringing vitality to my spirit and He's causing me to live at my maximum potential in a relationship with Him. This is good news. And then he says, I want it to overflow. Why? So that you can share that life with people around you. You can share that life with your family and with your friends and with your loved ones. Some people right here might say, Robert, I hear you, but I have a pretty full life. I have a pretty satisfying life. I have a good job. I make pretty good money. I have what I need. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's great that we have a good job and that you make good money. By the way, God wants you to have a great job and he wants you to make good money. But have you considered that there could be something deeper? There could be something that is more fulfilling than what you're currently experiencing. I believe that there is. And I believe it's in the person of Jesus. Still, some others might say, well, Robert, I don't really need religion. I mean, I'm a good, come on, finish it with me, person, right? Well, I would say, that's great. God wants you to be a good person. God wants good people that do good things. But have you considered that our goodness in comparison to what God says is good can never be good enough? That's why we need the life of Jesus. In Isaiah 64, it says, 
All the good things we do are like dirty rags to you, God. They pale in comparison to the goodness of God. Don't get me wrong. God wants us to be good people. He wants us to do good things. But apart from God and the goodness of God that he provides, we're empty. We're like that bag of potato chips. We look full, we might feel full, but when you look deep inside, we're not. Okay, Robert, I I hear what you're saying. Okay, so the tomb is empty, and I don't have to be. Okay, I I get it. That sounds sounds very Easter-ish. I'll give you that. That's that's good. Um, But what you're saying is that that all hinges on the fact that Jesus really, really did rise from the dead. And I'm not sure if I buy into that. Well, listen, did you know that the first disciples that Jesus walked with and talked with and lived with and spoke to and said, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise from the dead. Do you know they didn't even buy into it when he was telling it to them? And even that morning, if they really bought into it, why did they go to look for his body? Go with me on that morning with John and Peter. Remember, Martha and Mary saw the tomb rolled away. His body was gone. They're excited. One account says that she thought, Martha thought, or Mary thought Jesus was a gardener. And then she recognizes it's him, and Jesus tells them, hey, listen, go tell Peter and go tell the disciples I'm alive. So they go back, and they get with Peter and John. And I want us to now look at, from John's perspective, what they saw that morning. John chapter 20. I'm going to just read verses 3 to 9, and I want to point out a couple of things. For any of you that might not be 100% sure bought into the resurrection, Peter and the other disciple, that's John, started out for the tomb. They're running. They were both running, but the other disciple, that's John. I don't know why he keeps referring to himself that way, but he just does that, right? He outran Peter, and he reached the tomb first. He stooped down, and he looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there and saw the linen wrappings lying there. Say that with me, church. And saw the linen wrappings lying there. That word saw means to see with your eyes. To take notice of something. But he didn't go in. Verse 6. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. Well, the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Excuse me. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first, that's John, he went in, notice this, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. Say those words with me. He saw and believed. Now, I want to differentiate between these two words, saw. Verse 5 says he saw. To see with your eyes. But verse 8 says, he saw and believed. This word saw is different. It goes beyond just seeing with your eyes. 
It carries with it the idea of faith being made alive and seeing through the eyes of faith and perceiving something beyond what you can see with your natural eyes. It's talking about seeing something by spiritual perception. Have you ever seen something but not really had it hit you? But then you took a deeper look at it or you took a closer look at it and then maybe asked God to help you to see beyond what you see? And then when you did that, he did. And all of a sudden, what you were looking at with your eyes, you began to see it with your heart. That's what this word is here. He saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said he must rise from the dead. So they still hadn't completely believed. All those times Jesus said he would rise from the dead. But when they saw these Linen wrappings, the the claws, how they wrapped Jesus up from the ankles all the way up to the head. They saw the wrappings lying there. Then he believed. What was it about those linen cloths or those linen wrappings? I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. But I've seen a lot of pictures and I've read this a few times. And in my mind, I just see like the linen wrapping just kind of on the floor. Or just laying lifeless on that bench where Jesus was laying in that tomb, which was an etched out cave off the side of a mountain. His his linen claws were just lying there lifeless or, you know, they, they were unwrapped. And they were there on the floor. That's the way I've seen it. But the more that I looked at this and the more I studied, I realized that these guys didn't see that. Let me show you a picture on the screen of what they saw. That's what they saw. The power of the Holy Spirit brought Jesus back to life. And Jesus didn't need to unwrap himself, church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus didn't need somebody to unwrap him. Can somebody say amen? The power of God infused his body. He became spirit body. He became glorified. And he rose up and he just passed right through those linen wrappings. Why would they be like that? Well, it was very customary for Jewish people to wrap them with spices. The Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they were secret believers. They took the body of Jesus and they got like a hundred pounds of spices. I don't know what they did with all of those spices, but the Bible says that they prepared the body of Jesus with those spices, aloe and myrrh. And myrrh was this sicky kind of sap-like substance and and it, it would be able to be smeared on the body of Jesus and smeared and wrapped, smeared and wrapped, smeared almost like an embalming spice so the body wouldn't smell. But Jesus had been in there for a couple, two or three days and now these spices were beginning to get hard. And so they stayed in the shape of the body of Jesus. There's a man by the name of Simon Greenleaf. I don't expect you to know who he is, but he was the founder of Harvard Law School. Very intelligent, very skeptical when it came to Jesus and the resurrection and all of that stuff. But he decided, I'm going to use my my smarts 
to challenge the theory of the resurrection. All of the laws of evidence that I've been trained in, and I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to disprove the resurrection. And in the process, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. This is what he concluded. The portion of liquid spices used for the body of Jesus at his burial would have started to harden and would cause the cloth wrappings to become somewhat encrusted like a cocoon around the body of Jesus. All the wrappings followed the contours of his body. It would be a tight, solid covering that would protect the body and from which the body could not be pulled by any human means. The only way, humanly speaking, a body could be removed from such encrusted wrappings would be by cutting the cloth from end to end and laying back each side so that the body could be pulled from its wrappings. He also concluded that it is inconceivable that the body had been stolen and that enemies would have spent the time to abstract the body from the clothes and so arrange them as to look like a body was still there. Would you do that? And why? When the disciples saw the linen cloths lying uncut, undisturbed, lying just as they had been, yet they were empty. It convinced them that the body had been miraculously, supernaturally raised and that Jesus must have walked out. And some human hands stolen the body that would have been ridiculous. He would have had to force the slit opening and the binding in order to remove the body. Isn't that an awesome picture to see that like that? I mean, just think about it. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Do you remember? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, remember the story. He comes out of the tomb. Do you remember? And Jesus said, unwrap him. See, he was alive, but he was human, and he couldn't break through those wrappings. Jesus, fully alive, fully spirit, fully glorified, fully body, heavenly body. He just passed right through those wrappings. Didn't need to be unwrapped by anybody. Amen. Man, this is such powerful evidence. There's so much evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, Pastor Robert, so the tomb is empty. I don't have to be. I get it. How then do I get full and stay full and push back the emptiness in my life. I want you to think about that for you. Are there any areas in your life where you might be experiencing emptiness? Relationally, financially, spiritually, mentally. You try, you try, you try, but at the end of the day, you just still feel empty. How do I stay full? How do I experience the life of God. Here's a fill in the blank. Write it down if you, if you got your pen handy. I can receive what Christ has done for me, turn from my life daily, and live in Christ. Well, Pastor Robert, I mean, I'm a Christian. Aren't I already doing that? Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Listen, John 3.16, you know the verse, 
For God, come on, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's what Jesus was saying of himself. But I want us to key in on this because sometimes we read these verses that we've heard and heard and heard, but we don't really read them. He says, whosoever believes in me. The word believes in this text is not a noun. It's a verb. What does a verb do? Action. Action. Jesus says, whoever believes in me puts action to what they say they believe will not perish but have everlasting life. Now pause. A lot of people might have the misunderstanding that everlasting life starts when you pass away from this life and you go to heaven. That's not true. If you have the Son, you have everlasting life now. And now you can begin to draw on the fullness of Jesus and push back the emptiness and experience the abundant life that he came for you and I to experience. Does that make sense, church? Say amen. So Pastor Robert, do you have any suggestions? Yes, I do. I'm glad you asked. Here's three suggestions on how to be full instead of empty. Here we go. Number one, number one, fill in the blank. Attend Sunday service regularly. I knew you were going to say that, Pastor. I just knew it. That's why I don't come all the time. You're always begging me to come. Well, listen to me. I do want you to come. But this isn't my idea. This is God's idea. Listen to this verse, Psalm 36 eight. Just check it out. Just check it out. In your house, they eat and are full at your table. They drink from the river of your overflowing kindness. That's a psalm to God. When your people gather together as a family, that's the house. When they gather together as a family, they eat together from the table of the Lord. And they're full. Amen. They're satisfied. They drink from the river of your overflowing flowing kindness. So there are definite benefits to attending a Sunday morning service regularly. If I had to pick any Sunday morning service for you all to attend, it would be this one. Because I love you. And I want to feed you. And I want to help you to grow. And I want to help you experience life to the full. Here's the second suggestion. Just a suggestion. I'm not getting in your business. Read my Bible and get to know God. Pastor Robert, I know God. Can I just, come on, let me just gently say something. Just a suggestion. There's a little more room in our lives to get to know God a little bit better. Amen? We got a little bit more room to get to know him more intimately, more closely, to become more familiar with his promises and his power. I love what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said in John 7, 37. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
You know, when the, when the family comes together like this, Jesus is in our midst. There's something significant. There's something different. There's something special that flows from God on the family gathering. And so we're encouraged all throughout the scripture to read our Bibles, to gather together, to get to know Jesus. Here's the third suggestion that I want to just make. Number three, learn how to be thankful to God. This is a big deal. Do you know that when we're thankful, we remember the good things of God. We remember the faithfulness of God. We remember how God has provided, how God has brought us through. We remember how good God has been. And it's very difficult when we're thankful to feel depressed, to feel discouraged, to feel empty. It's very difficult to feel gloom and doom. But when we're thankful, when we're learning to become thankful, we're fueled with faith and we're fueled with the life of God and we're fueled with hope and we're, we're fueled with a promise for tomorrow. One of the things the Lord has continued to remind me of, don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what you can't do. Don't focus on what you don't know. When I do that, <clears throat> it's discouraging. Depressing. Focus on the goodness of God. And be thankful. Be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. He belong to Christ Jesus. He's not saying be thankful for your circumstance if it's a tough one. We've been in tough circumstances. Things that we thought were going to happen didn't happen. Financial setbacks. Financial disappointments. All kind of stuff in life. We're not thankful for the circumstance, but we're thankful to God regardless of the circumstance. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.